The Zika epidemic in the Americas is ongoing. As of June 8th, 60 countries or territories had reported continuing mosquito-borne transmission of Zika virus, and 11 countries or territories had reported microcephaly, or other central nervous system malformations. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Eric Rubin, a professor of immunology and infectious diseases at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health and an associate editor of the journal. Dr. Rubin, in a perspective article, Johansson and colleagues present an analysis of data from Brazil indicating that there's a strong risk of microcephaly associated with Zika infection during the first trimester of pregnancy. So what are the current recommendations in Brazil and elsewhere for pregnant women or women who wish to become pregnant? Well, the recommendations vary. Different public health authorities have offered different recommendations. However, there's an increasing number of people are recommending now that women avoid pregnancy in areas where Zika virus is prevalent, and they practice safe sex with partners who are coming from those areas as well. This is a really changing landscape, and so what we say today may not be true weeks from now. Johansson et al. also note that microcephaly isn't the only possible adverse outcome, that there are a spectrum of conditions that may be part of a congenital Zika syndrome. What does the broader clinical picture look like right now, and what kinds of research do you think we need to elucidate it? We're operating by looking at a snapshot now. We're only seeing cases that are relatively early and a relatively short time after birth. We do know that Zika virus can infect the central nervous system. There's more and more evidence coming from the lab that this is an infection of developing neurons, and so large parts of the nervous system could be susceptible at various stages of development. There have been clinical reports of Zika virus infecting not only the brain, but the eye and the spinal cord. Interestingly, there's been some correlation with adults where there are an increasing number of neurologic syndromes of various kinds being reported, in addition to Guillain-Barre syndrome, which had been well described during the YAP outbreak that had occurred earlier. So what does this mean for spectrum? We don't know how many things are going to manifest as we look forward in time. Right now, we have very young children, newborns for the most part, and it's easy to spot gross abnormalities. It is conceivable that we will find more as kids get older. Hopefully, we've seen most of the major manifestations, but we don't know that yet. So I think the jury is still out on what is going to show up. The preclinical experimental models, which have largely been tissue culture models or animal models, including both non-human primates and other species, suggest that there may be other sorts of manifestations we will see. It's hard to know how to extrapolate those to humans at this point. There's been talk of canceling the Summer Olympics that are scheduled for August in Rio de Janeiro. Is there a consensus among infectious disease specialists about whether that's a good idea? And if it's not, what precautions should be taken? Well, I think that's easy. There is no consensus. There certainly is a group of people, public health experts, who have strongly recommended that the games be canceled. I think that there are many out there who feel that it still remains an individual choice, but not a risk-free one. I think that visitors to Brazil, whether they're athletes or spectators or there for non-Olympic reasons, all need to take similar precautions. We know it's a mosquito-borne illness, and so avoiding mosquito bites is critical to trying to decrease the risk. Remember that the areas that have Zika virus are also the areas where other mosquito-borne illnesses are prevalent. And chikungunya virus, which causes an acute syndrome without the sort of chronic manifestations that we worry about so much for Zika, particularly in pregnant women, 
is still not a disease you want to get. And dengue virus, which is quite common in some of the areas where Zika is uh, endemic, can be quite problematic, especially as it seems to put people at risk for very severe disease upon a second infection. So there are very good reasons to avoid mosquitoes. In addition, many public health experts are recommending using condoms to prevent sexual transmission of disease. It's really unclear how common transmission is through sex, but there are very clearly documented cases of it occurring. It may not be a major route of transmission in endemic areas where mosquitoes are so prevalent, but it certainly can be seen in areas where the mosquitoes don't live and yet infected people are traveling. So looking at the United States, to date there have been some hundreds of imported cases of Zika and there have been a handful of cases of sexually transmitted disease, but mosquito season is, is just beginning here. So what do you expect to see in this country, both in terms of the spread of infection and in terms of preventive activity? I guess I expect two things. You just got to both of them. One is that we are likely to see some domestic transmission of Zika virus by mosquitoes. Certainly the mosquito species that carry the disease, as you said, are present in parts of the country. In fact, their range actually has increased in the continental U.S. Remember that Puerto Rico already has quite a bit of disease. It certainly has crossed the threshold of the sorts of numbers where you start to see sustained transmission of disease and particularly in Florida, Texas, parts of the southern U.S., if there is enough disease introduced, there certainly are the mosquitoes to allow for transmission. Well, what does that mean? In terms of control, we have traditionally done a pretty good job of mosquito control in this country. We have not had sustained transmission in the continental U.S. of disease, dengue, for example, although that, again, remains a problem, particularly in Puerto Rico and somewhat in Hawaii. And that's partly because we don't have large swamplands, and we have fairly aggressive approaches to spraying with insecticides to kill mosquitoes. So I think insecticide sales are going to rise dramatically. Certainly here in Massachusetts, every year we have outbreaks of uh, severe mosquito-borne encephalitis, and those are controlled largely by spraying for insects. Remember, Steve, that malaria was a disease that was common in the U.S. once upon a time. And malaria control came about not through drugs and not through vaccines, but through draining swamps. So engineering approaches to mosquito control are relatively successful or have been relatively successful in this country, and I hope we'll see the same with any Zika virus outbreak that occurs. Cuba and the United States have just signed a public health agreement, and part of it's about collaborating on the battle against Zika. Zika has affected Cuba later and less forcefully than other countries in the region. So what's happening there, and what can we learn from Cuba? Cuba is an interesting model for control of infectious diseases. Public health measures are easier to establish in a country with a very different political system and a much smaller population. They have had severe outbreaks of dengue virus in the past. And in response, they've developed mosquito control programs that are at the very local level, in fact, at the individual level, with searches for discarded bottles, for example, by individual Cuban citizens to try to remove areas where mosquitoes can breed. And those have been fairly successful. And I think we're seeing the same thing during the Zika outbreak, that there have been very strong efforts at mosquito control and the ability to recruit individuals to the effort of controlling mosquitoes, and it pays off. It's interesting that climate-wise, the ecology of Cuba and Puerto Rico are somewhat similar to each other. They're certainly in a similar part of the Caribbean, and they are mountainous and forested places. And I think we're not probably doing as well right now in Puerto Rico as Cuba has done with many years of experience in dealing with mosquito-borne illnesses. 
Finally, in a perspective article back in February, Fauci and Morin's placed the Zika epidemic in the context of the migration of multiple arboviruses, and they attributed that, in part anyway, to urban crowding, international travel, other human behavior, and human-caused changes in ecological balance. Is that bigger picture on the radar screen of the international scientific community? Well, it's both a good time and a bad time to be an infectious disease specialist. It's certainly true that more and more infectious diseases are being recognized in part because they've spread from very isolated populations to a broader part of the world. I should say that this is both a success and a failure of the system. The failure comes from the fact that we don't have very good surveillance systems that have allowed us to restrict the transmission of infectious diseases from whatever locality they are to somewhere else. The triumph is that we recognize these outbreaks much earlier. So there's really a disconnect between finding diseases and being able to manage their transmission. For the most part, diseases arise in areas of the world where it is more difficult to intervene and uh, early warning systems are not triggered as early. So I don't think that there's a simple solution to containing infections, but certainly the more we know, the better we can be with it. I think Zika virus is an example, though, of something else. Zika virus has been recognized for decades, and it was thought to be a relatively mild illness. It certainly, for most people, remains a mild illness. The really severe manifestations of Zika weren't recognized until there were a large number of people infected. And in fact, the very worst manifestations, like microcephaly, were, while they were present during the largest outbreak up till now in YAP, they weren't really recognized until it was viewed in retrospect. So I think it's going to be unclear as to what really is a severe disease in some cases until we see more of it. The same is not true for diseases like the new influenza strains, for example, or MERS coronavirus, where the mortality rates and morbidity and mortality associated with the disease is so severe from the beginning that we know we've identified something bad. But before we go and indict the entire system, I would mention that MERS coronavirus, despite there being a couple of transmission events outside of the Middle East and one bad outbreak in South Korea, it's been largely contained even within the Middle Eastern countries that it's affected. So we're not doing terribly, but we're not catching them all uh, right now, and certainly we could do better. Thank you, Dr. Rubin.